You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have in the United States. This is episode 145 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Melvoin Berg, who will not be joining us for this episode, sadly. He was planning to, but something really fucking hilarious happened that I'll tell you about in a few minutes. But we're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and we're kinky perverts too, also married. So this week, we are talking about kink education in the digital age, how social media, the internet, and pop culture are making BDSM more acceptable and accessible, but at the same time, making it more difficult to find accurate information. And my guest is Safia Darling. She's a sex educator and kink specialist who's worked in the adult industry for over 10 years. Safia is passionate about helping empowering others to understand how their bodies work and debunking stereotypes. Ken and I have both known Safia for many, many years, and she is an amazing educator and human with a very unique outlook on how new folks are learning about kink. Now, the impetus for this conversation that you're about to hear was actually a private conversation between the both of us that went something like, okay, have I lost my damn mind or did you know this kink fact as ABC, but now everybody is saying it's XYZ? Like what the hell is going on? So we realized that we were experiencing a kinky Mandela effect of sorts. So if you're not familiar with what a Mandela effect is, it's a phenomenon where a significant number of people swear that they remember something completely differently than how it actually occurred. Conspiracy theorists will tell you, well, of course, it's proof of an alternate universe, while more pragmatic thinkers say that it's proof of how imperfect the human memory is. It got its name because many people swear that they remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the 1980s even though the history books and our more recent memories tell us he got out of prison and went on to become the president of South Africa. A few other famous instances of this is the children's book series, the, the Berenstain Bears. So many people, including myself, remember growing up, the name was the Berenstain Bears with an E, not an A, but apparently it's the Berenstain Bears. Or that many of us remember Oscar Meyer being spelled M-E-Y-E-R when it's really M-A-Y-E-R. So in this episode, we talk about how the digital age is misconstruing information about kink, which is skewing the facts for thousands of new people that are learning about BDSM online. One piece of misinformation gets repeated so many times and that it eventually becomes, quote, fact. We talk about how this has happened with activities like knife play, choking play, and more. It's even changing our pronunciations of well-known words like D-O-M-M-E, which is the female or feminine version of dominant. It is pronounced dom. That's it. 
just dumb. But so many people, all they do, they read it and then they hear it from each other and they mispronounce it dame and it is caught on. So now so many people believe that this mispronunciation is correct, but it's not. It's just dumb. Stop saying dame. Thank you. Uh, so we get into how new kinksters should learn and how to be sure what they're learning is actually correct amid this sea of misinformation. And this information also spills over into how do you properly vet play partners? How do you find the ones that really know what they're talking about or educators and more? This is a super valuable conversation for anybody either interested in kink or if you've been in the kink community for a long time. Okay, so Let me tell you what happened to Ken, because this is pretty funny. We recorded this the day before his birthday. Happy birthday, Ken. Happy belated. He decided for his birthday eve, he would do something special. Ken microdoses plant medicine. Let's just say he's a, uh, a fun guy. If you catch my pun, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Right? So this helps with his mood, but it's such a small amount that it never has any psychoactive effects. It doesn't make him high. It's just a little, you know, a little mood boost. So for his birthday eve, he thought he'd take just a little bit more than his usual microdose. The intent was to maybe just feel like a little bit happy, but nothing extreme. Well, There was a bit of misjudgment and Ken ended up taking a full macro dose and became a really fun guy. So by the time our schedule call with Safia happened, Ken forgot how to wear pants. He screamed at the top of his lungs and like cowered in the hallway because he saw a picture of the cat face on our shower curtain. We have a cat shower curtain, scared the bejesus out of him. And, you know, he wasn't obviously up for some serious conversation right at that moment. So he he went off and did his thing while, while Safi and I talked. And right towards the end of our interview, and I ended up cutting this out, by the way, you will not hear this in the interview, but right towards the end, he opens the door and he comes in buck naked. And he does like the helicopter spinny dick, like right in my face on my desk. And I was trying to ignore him. It was so funny and I couldn't. And then he started twerking, which surprisingly for a 52-year-old white guy, he's a really good twerker. And he also has no butt. I don't know how he did this, but it was kind of a miracle. And then he almost started crying because he couldn't figure out pants. So (laughs) all that's been removed from the recording you're about to hear, but... I saved that audio. You know I did. And I'm putting it up on Patreon. So patrons, you've got a special treat coming. And if you're not a patron yet, get on over to patreon.com slash American sex to become one and to hear Ken be a really fun guy. Uh, It was hilarious. Ken had a great birthday. It's all good. It's just it's a good story. Anyway, quickly, let's do our housekeeping or as we call in this house, ball washing so we can get on to this fabulous conversation. I want you to join us for our free live stream on Get Vocal, which is Wednesday, the 11th of November at 8 p.m. Pacific. The address is bit.ly slash ASP stream. And don't worry if you didn't catch it. All our links will be in the show notes for episode 145 at americansexpodcast.com. 
During this conversation, we're doing a BDSM Q&A, so bring all your questions. And also at that same address, you can catch recordings of all of our past live streams. There's over 40, 45 or so hours of free sex ed and kink content, so go get it. Secondly, another free thing, come on over and join us in our sex and kink positive Discord community. And yes, again, it is free. We talk about sex, kink, mental health, off-topic stuff. There's cute pictures of cats, recipes, you name it. We talk about it. It's a really friendly and active community, and we'd love for you to join our family. Lastly, if you are into tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, and Call of Cthulhu, Ken's new side gig is running these games online, and he specializes in teaching new people how to play. You can watch him stream these games on Twitch a few nights a week, and you might even be able to get in on some. His address for Twitch is twitch.tv thunderpantsrpg, and he's also available for professional game master services too. Go on and check the show notes for this episode where you'll find all of his contact information and go get your gaming on. Also a reminder, we will be off next Monday, which is the 9th of November, and our next episode will drop on the 16th of November. And this is the very last thing, American fuckers, I promise, and it's an important one. If you listened to last week's episode, I gave you a big, long talk about why you are called American fuckers. Sure, it's because of the sex stuff, but really, it's because you disrupt, or better put, fuck up the status quo, especially around things that impact sexual freedom. And if you're listening to this episode on release day, tomorrow, the 3rd of November, is voting day. If you haven't already, please, I am begging you with everything I have, vote that monster out of the damn White House. Vote like your life depends on it, because it does. Thank you. All right, American fuckers. These balls are now clean. Here is Safia Darling talking to us about kink education in the digital age. Oh, this is going to be such a good conversation, American fuckers. I have on the line Safia, and I have a feeling that our conversation is going to get real damn good. Hello, and thank you so much. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. So I'm going to give a little background to to the listeners who whom we call American fuckers, Um <laughs> of kind of how this this happened, like you and I were talking, and we noticed that there's sort of a you called it a kinky mandala effect, which I love. Like there's stuff that we have learned in kink because how how long have you been a, a kinkster in the kink lifestyle? So 2009. So I'm going on just a little over 10 years now. Okay, okay. So yeah, we're we're the we're the decade plus club, you know, Indeed. and so we have both noticed that there are things that we learned when we came up kinky and, you know, whether it's certain definitions of things or certain ways that things are done that are suddenly weirdly changing. And it's our theory, and please expand if you have more, that it's the internet that's doing it. 
So do, do you agree with my, my recap, my assessment? I definitely agree. I think it's a combination that the internet is everyone's primary resource. Cause it's not like you can like sign up for a college class and like learn how to be like a dominant or a submissive. Like you can certainly take mm. kink related classes at a university, but this isn't something you can just like take a one oh one and be done with it. Um, and so I think it's a collection mm-hmm. of everyone's information going on the internet but most of the time it's the cited sources that are the biggest ones like the wikipedias and stuff like that and a wikipedia is essentially just other people's submitted information to the internet so i feel like either someone is submitting information incorrectly or every and everyone is reading it and so they are all regurgitating and re you know spreading the same misinformation. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to remind the listeners, like, I was in school way before the internet, but my kids were in school on the internet. And all the teachers told you, Wikipedia is not a reliable source. Because as you said, it's just users that submit the information. So a gentle reminder for everyone getting all their information on Wikipedia, it's a good start to introduce you to something, but it's not a good place to get the facts. So let's start the conversation with knife play, because this is where our offline conversation started. Um, you know, you and I both do TikTok. We're part of Kink Talk <laughs> community. I, I did finger quotes. If you can hear the finger quotes in my voice, um, so knife play has been brought up as like you know there, there's this mantra of you know don't teach really dangerous, complicated things online in short form, like on TikTok or social media, because you can't talk about all the safety precautions. And so those those dangerous things are edge play activities. And one edge play activity that keeps being brought up all the time is knife play. Like, oh my God, don't talk about knife play online. It is dangerous. And I got to tell you, I'll tell you in the back of my mind, every time I hear someone talking about how dangerous knife play is, I'm like, that is like the pussiest of the edge play things like knife play when I learned it really isn't that dangerous unless you have like horrible coordination or you sneeze and poke an eye out or just something you know there's an earthquake in the middle of you you know something um that's true and even but that's even to be said with any implement that you're holding if you sneeze or if there's an earthquake Anything could put someone's eye out. So knife play, eh, you know. (laughs) So tell me, set up knife play. What is knife play for people listening along that may not know or may know what knife play is, but it's actually the Wikipedia, Wikipedia wrong version of knife play? Okay, so when I was coming up in, so same, I, what, the internet was available for me to learn BDSM, but the majority of everything that I learned, I learned via mentors, I learned via dominant submissive relationships, I learned it via attending classes, going to workshops, festivals, and all these other sort of like in-person things. Um, There's lots of book reading and everything else. So I was taught that knife play was, a type of sensation play mixed with mind fuckery that mm-hmm. knife play should technically be done with a blunt non-sharp implement 
And then if you decide that you want to do it with a sharp instrument, it now becomes edge play because now you're playing with a lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. And then if you decide to take it a step further and draw blood with this knife, it now becomes blood play. That edge that the knife itself as an implement is very versatile. It can be used in many different ways of enhancing your kink. Even when doing wax play, you can use it to scrape the wax that's been hardened off of someone's skin. But that's definitely not a sharp situation that would be just scraping wax away (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and I I love the way you described it it you know and I learned the same way that it is sensation play with mind fuckery and you know one of the ways that I love to incorporate any type of edge play in my play is I first opt for the smoke and mirrors route Mm -hmm. so like with knife play even though I I don't know if I really consider knife play, edge play, unless, like you said, you're doing some really extreme stuff with sharp instruments. And, you know, when you cut, it's now blood play. It's not knife play. Um, But, you know, the the smoke and mirrors of this is a dull knife and, uh, you know, but you don't know that or the edge of a credit card. You know, I've even done like the edge of a credit card with like some icy hot on it. So when you, you know, you're pretending like you're cutting and then you feel that sensation of the icy hot. But really, you're sliding a credit card across your skin. It Mm -hmm. is not dangerous in the least. And it's smoke and mirrors. You're like a magician pretending and, you know, pretending in a way that you're making your submissive go into that headspace where they really feel like the real deal is happening, but it's completely freaking safe. Yeah. So I guess even to, to build on that, that I think that's where some of the nuance gets lost, that a lot of the younger people or a lot of the newbie kinksters, because they don't necessarily have to be young, a lot of the newbie kinksters, especially the ones that have picked up this uh, lifestyle or picked up this hobby during the pandemic, they're learning a lot of the tactile things, like how to spank, how to flog, and things like that. But I think that there's not enough going on in terms of the psychology behind kink and BDSM. So even what you were saying about the smoke and mirrors, you take someone, before you blindfold them, you lay out all these sharp implements, and then you blindfold them, and you tell them, I'm going to cut all your clothes off, and I'm going to cut up your skin. And then really all you're doing is swiping a Starbucks gift card across their skin. (laughs) Yes. But they have no idea because you've built up this, like this intensity. I, I remember even doing a scene and somebody even went as far as to pop a balloon next to me to make me think that this thing was sharp and it wasn't sharp. It was just a Starbucks gift card, but I was so lost in the idea that I was doing something scary. I was doing something that was, I guess, edgy. Maybe that's where it falls into play that it's, edgy play I I think I um I I think it might have actually been you who said that something about the edge of the knife that Mm -hmm. maybe that's where it got put in this category um I even asked another dominatrix uh mistress Betty Bondage she said when she was taught about knife play she was taught to never touch a knife 
until you've already had classes about sutures, um, CPR, blood porn pathogens, and uh, safety, safety and sterilization. Because right. she was always taught that anything involving knives was dangerous, but she was implying sharp knives. She also specializes in um, needle play. So I think that's along the same line of of education that she received, that her mentor was someone who specialized in blood play. Mm -hmm. I just, I find it really fascinating, you know, how, you know, it's like that game of telephone where you whisper something in somebody's ear and they whisper something to the next person, the next person, the next person. And by the time you get 15 people down, it's a completely different message. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's what's happened with knife play to the point where you had said you had looked on like some Wikipedia articles on knife play that also contained incorrect information what in some places, but not in others or something. Correct. So if you even look up like the Wikipedia definition of knife play, it says that knife play is a source of a physical and mental stimulation. Uh, it says to, Knives are technically used to cut away clothing, scratch the skin, remove wax after wax play, and simply provide sensation play. So Mm. how is this an edge play? None of those are edge play activities. Right. Um, It also says that knife play can be used as a form of temperature play or body modification. But body body modification is edge play. That is a whole nother specialized version of kink and BDSM that is like intermediate to expert level type of stuff. Like that's not for a newbie beginner to just jump into head first. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's like, this just like, it fascinates me and also kind of disheartens me because, um, you know, there has been a lot of talk like in the online circles that we're in about like, oh, edge play is dangerous. Don't teach new people about it and yada, yada, yada. But I also feel that, you know, we're like you said, we're, there's this disconnect of like, people go straight to dangerous. They go straight to turn it up to 11. And it's like, Where's the psychological play? Where's the smoke and mirrors? Where's the, you know, like with choking, that's a a huge one. You know, there's blood chokes and air chokes. And when I was learning about choking, it was like, they are both dangerous. Um, Air chokes can be more dangerous and you can cause more injury because they're more difficult to do. And, you know, other other things physiologically, you know, crush the trachea, yada, yada. However, even though blood chokes are easier to do where that's where you're you're uh, squeezing the artery and cutting off blood to the brain, those can still be dangerous. Like there's risk of aneurysm, stroke, you know, all of these really bad things or death. Um, and that's the way it was, it was taught to me. Like you don't do either of these things until you have been properly trained by somebody who has, you know, either, uh, medical knowledge or, you know, very intense martial arts knowledge, mili- you know, something where they really can teach this stuff and they know what they're doing. And you've taken CPR, you know, all that stuff. And today I'm seeing online Air chokes bad, blood chokes good. Everyone, let's do blood chokes. Yay. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> and again, like to me, it's missing the nuance of like, 
there are very real reasons why we like a hand around the throat. And I can get all geeky and talk about the vagus nerve and, you know, why throat things feel really sexy. Like why some people like giving blowjobs, like the throat is an area, you know, but we can do that without choking any without, you know, like, I'm going to grab you by the jaw and like, you know, pull you around the room that feels hot and sexy. You're not choking anyone like with the smoke and mirrors level is gone to choking. So how do you feel about the things you've been saying about choking online? I think that's I feel very similar. I feel like so even like you were saying, I think people like that idea of that whole the the uh, I don't want to say aggression because that's not quite the word I'm looking for. I think people like the idea of the assertiveness mm-hmm. of someone forcibly moving them from one space to another. So even the idea of like pushing someone up against a wall and applying pressure on them is a very similar way of being able to simulate a a breath play without actually having to cut someone's air or blood circulation off uh, in order to make them pass out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also... When it comes to the things that I'm seeing online, I think, again, I I start to question, where's the psychology behind it? Where's the intention? What is the intention in this activity? I have actually asked partners in the past where they, my partners are usually very good about asking consent to do something first. And I think that people think that consensual conversations don't have to be sexy, but I vetted them in a sexy way where someone Mm -hmm. expressed they wanted to choke me. And I was like, Oh really? You want to choke me? That sounds so hot. Jimmy, let me see you choke yourself. Let me see how, let me see how you want to choke me just to see if they have the technique. Otherwise, we're going to have to play another game because Mm -hmm. if you can't show me on you what it is you were going to do to me, and if that technique is wrong, I know better. Um, I often, I I, I keep repeating the same thing to my um, mentee right now, Olivia, that the easiest way to spot a fake is to know the facts. And if you know how to properly do like even though she doesn't have any intention on being the person of being a top of being the person doing the action she prefers to receive it I'm like you still have a better idea of whether or not this person is going to do it well and if they're going to do it right by taking a class and understanding how it works so she said just the same she said she took a class on proper spanking techniques and come to find out people have been spanking her wrong this whole time this whole time (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> which oh, wow. which isn't like luckily it's, it doesn't sound like it's a long list of people but she's just kind of like I didn't know that was a thing and so now I know what's a thing and now I know what to look for and how to encourage people and you know ask them in one direction or the other mm-hmm. yeah I have like you know recently I've been really thinking about this and you know my how my role in kink education like where it kind of fits into the big picture and I've realized that 
you know, I'm from my former profession was advertising. And in the advertising world, it's divided into two disciplines, which is strategy and execution. So execution is like the doing like, you know, in BDSM, it would be like how to flog, how to choke, how to the actual technique. And then the strategy is like all of the psychology and the mental stuff behind it. And the, the more I started thinking about this, the more I realized I am very much a BDSM strategist. Like, that's what I do. Even in my play, like, I have the worst coordination. I don't do bondage. I'm horrible at flogging. Like, I'm good at, like, spanking and stuff. Anything where I need coordination, I'm like, no, no. I use my, I use strategy, you know? And do you, how do you think we can get that back? Because I think it's missing. I think, you know, there's a new crop of folks. And I'm and by saying this, I am by no means like slamming people or saying like, people are doing it wrong. Um, you know, but it, new people that, you know, we're all learning from each other. It's that game of telephone. So new people that come along, they put a lot of emphasis on like, you know, the, the, the execution, the this is the kind of equipment you need. This is how you need to hold it. This is the positioning, uh, but not the strategy behind it. So how do you think, I don't know, we can get that back. I know that's a big fucking question. Oh, I, I think getting some of that back is um, a couple of things. I noticed that different social media platforms thrive for different types of kinks and identities within the community. So Mm -hmm. I noticed that TikTok is full of a lot of brats and brat tamers. Yes. I've noticed that um, there's a lot of daddy doms and little girls and daddies and and caregivers and, you know, fill in, you know, um, gender appropriate caregiver and little title. There's a lot of littles and caregivers on Instagram Mm-hmm. I've noticed there's a lot of age players and a lot of impact players on Tumblr. And I think that has to do with the visual of it. I've noticed in some of the Facebook groups tends to be where I see a lot more people who are into um, like who are like a little older in the scene. And I guess that's maybe because it's Facebook. It's Facebook. <laughs> like um, everyone's kinky grandma. <laughs> and then you've got the darker side of things that the more pushy, the more um, like cringy in a good way kind of thing. And you've got the fet lifers who are like right. the breeders and the, uh, the cuck holders and the exhibitionists. They're all on fet life. So I think it depends on what platform you're on. Um, to see what people are doing and what particular style is thriving. But mm. I think just like you were saying, missing amongst all of them is the why that I think people are forgetting that you can ask someone. So for example, when it comes to tasking, that if you are someone in a dynamic and you task your submissive, your little, whoever the case may be to, I want you to send me a photo in the morning. I want you to let me pick out your clothes. I want you to eat this for breakfast. And I want you to wear a butt plug after you have dinner. So Mm -hmm. anyone can give instruction. That's not 
kink or BDSM is giving the instruction. It's the why behind the instruction. I'm doing this particular task because I know it's going to make my D-type happy. I am Mm -hmm. doing this because this pleases them and pleasing them pleases me. I'm doing this because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel strong. It makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel like a good girl. And that's soothes me in some way shape or form and I think Mm -hmm. that part is getting missed I I see a lot of people on social media and they often give their opinions and they give their opinions as if their opinions are facts and your opinion is not fact it's just an opinion your experience is 100% valid And a lot of the times by you expressing your experience, you're also connecting to someone else who has a similar experience. But let's not get the two mixed up. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, yeah, I I just it's like church. Yes. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) I I see lots of people who take their experiences that are very valid, you know, and to, you know, and then when you bring up like, hey, that's not every... It seems invalidating, like without being invalidating, your your experience is very valid for you situationally for that, but it does not blanket apply across the board to everyone in, you know, in a similar situation, your experience is your experience. Um, and, you know, it's like, I, I look at what's happening. I, I think that us being online is a good thing. You know, that the internet is a wonderful tool. It is creating community. It is giving people access to all of this amazing information. But at the same time, I don't know if it's that we're not using the information in the right way. We're not disseminating the information in the right way. I, I, I don't know exactly what has caused the disconnect it's probably a number of things what what do you think like are some of our our biggest problems that are causing this disconnect I think the biggest cause for the disconnect is the lack of time to be able to convey that message that in order to be able to teach about the psychology and the intention and the purpose behind things you can't do that in 59 seconds or less And the way like the particular algorithms, regardless of whether it's Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, no one clicks the part two unless it's really good. And like if you're telling some story about how, you know, you kidnapped a baby seal from the zoo, they'll they'll keep following for that. (laughs) But when (laughs) it gets to be all like this kind of geeky stuff, that only appeals to a particular type of person. So Mm -hmm. even I even notice on like, a lot of people have taken to like Instagram to be able to put out information and teach classes and Instagram. I've seen some incredible sex education, Instagram live videos. And I noticed that people log on to the live when it all starts. And then mm-hmm. they slowly dwindle away about the halfway mark. And then it gets kind of slower. Right. And You're not collecting all the information. You're not getting the true lesson if you're not participating in the entire, the entire definition of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. I'm I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, just the nature of, you know, the 
uh, execution information. Like it's very easy in short, digestible sound bites. Like hold a flogger like this, not like that. Done. It's a fact. It's like mm-hmm. this, not like that. Where with the more strategic and psychological information, I, I often say there is a caveat to everything. Like I could talk about one little tiny thing and caveat it to death and go, well, accept this, but you know, take into consideration that then you may want to change it to that. And And I could talk about that thing for two hours straight going, but accept this, but you know, then consider that like, what was it? Uh, the, the using safe words or not using safe words. It's like, I could go down a rabbit hole with, you know, my stances, you don't have to use formal safe words like banana or what, you know, you can use yes, no, but then, to you know, tell people, but you still have to negotiate that. Like if no is going to be your safe word, you need to still negotiate that. And then think about if the the submissive um, maybe has a history of trauma or rejection sensitive dysphoria, and it's really hard for them to say no, you may want to give them a safe word because, you know, so I could go on with caveats of like, but if this, then that, but then the, 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 the. it's never ending. So yeah, how the fuck can we teach people this stuff with I mean, yeah, we can make them pay for classes, but we can't make them pay for classes and stick around. Well, for we the can't whole thing. even we can't even have them do it for free sometimes because yeah. half half of the social media platforms, as soon as you start mentioning anything sexual related, they kick you off the platform. So you yeah. can't even get to like the meat and potatoes that is the nuance and the intention and the psychology and the the like the the relevancy of what it is we're doing and how we're doing it because soon as we start saying words like butthole they kick us off because they're nervous about what it is we are or are not doing so then exactly. you try to have a conversation and teach a particular lesson so then we a we i think okay so that was another um conversation that i heard recently was um charging for classes and i i think that's one of three things one we usually end up having to take classes to another platform that usually ends up costing us money. If you want to teach a Zoom class and you want your class to run more than 45 minutes, you've got to pay for a premium membership. Right. Um, so that that costs money. Um, you have to pay to put together your class and whatever your um, you have to put together your curriculum. That's time. That's money. Um, mm-hmm. As well as I would hope if you have the the nerve to teach a class and charge someone, I hope that you have done and prepared this class to the best of your ability, that right. you're not out here just like teaching gibberish. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's also a great way to like vet out whether or not this person is teaching something worth of value. Um, right. I think it's also a scenario where sex education is one of those things where we are underpaid and undervalued. People want your information, but they don't want to compensate you for it, even though you're doing things to enhance their lives in really beautiful types of way. Um, And so I always remind people, I'm like, if you decide you want to like ask a sex worker or ask a sex educator for some help, some advice or whatever, feel free to send them a little tip. Like, just say, thank you for your time. You know, here's a couple bucks. Here's a coffee gift certificate. Like, tip accordingly. But tipping in this country is a whole nother thing. <laughs> Nobody does yeah. that like we should. We can't yeah, even get our people, waitresses I mean, tipped. 
Oh, gosh, I know. And y- you're right. You know, people don't value this. They they value this information in a way where it's like, I need to know this and it's going to enhance my life. But when you put a dollar amount to it, it's like, oh, that's not. But you, you pay your, your therapist, you pay your plumber, you pay your hair you know, stylist, you pay your, um, you know, and, and a lot of us, this is the way we make our living. And if you want to learn from a good educator, that good educator has paid for their own education, and has put a lot into it, which I think, you know, gets gets lost in this day and age of the content creator and the mm-hmm. instant expert. Um, and I, I don't know what to do about that. And I, I did want to mention kind of shameless plug, one of the few platforms where I can or anyone can do a live and not get taken down is I do uh, with Ken live streams on Get Vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, we've dropped back to doing them once a month because Get Vocal is actually revamping their whole platform. So they're in beta mode right now. But on the 11th of November, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific, we're going to do an open BDSM Q&A. And that's one pla- That's why we love working with that platform. They're relatively new. And we, we said, before we do a live stream, like we talk to the, the owner of the company. And we're like, we talk about sex in an educational manner, but no holds barred. Can we do this? And they were like, yes, we need sex ed. You can do it on our platform. As long as you don't show the boobs, you're good. (laughs) You know, we're like, okay, all right then. So that is like one of the few places I know that we can speak freely about stuff and podcasting. Although I'm wait, you know, you can't do visuals on podcasting, but it's one of the last, you know, platforms that doesn't have a whole lot of censorship, but yeah, it's a freaking problem. So tell me, how do you think this connects this whole disconnect and the way we're learning and like the instant expert, how do you think this contributes to people getting away with predatory behavior and like you know you hear about the fake doms online how how do you think how much do you think this contributes and in what ways i don't know if it i I think that i don't know if it necessarily contributes so much to the fake doms as much as it just gives the fake doms a platform It just gives Mm. them an opportunity to be able to speak whatever it is that they have to say. And then once again, they're just giving their opinion and giving their opinion as being fact. Um, I think that when it comes to the um, social media experts and those type of people, I've got no problem with them getting out there and putting some content together and putting information out there as long as it's correct. Give it mm-hmm. away for free as much as you want to. But please do yourself the justice to cite one more source other than like a Wikipedia or the first three clicks you saw on Google and dig a little bit deeper to put work into something. I'm not yeah. someone who pumps out content very quickly because I put a lot of making sure that I don't get a lot of people in my comments who are like, oh, this is wrong because I know I have done the due diligence and the research to make sure that what I'm putting out there is 
as close to correct as possible. Of mm-hmm. course, things, mind you, will it be correct in five, ten years? Will uh. things have changed and will things have morphed into something new and now what used to be is not what it was? That's 100% possible. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that what I'm putting out for right now is relevant, that in terms of its relevancy, is based off of as much collective facts as possible. And if it's not then I'm always quick to like put a disclaimer that says this may not be for you but I'm speaking to a general to a general you know yeah yeah Twenty twenty has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control but there's one thing you can't control and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. And don't even tell me, oh yeah, well I'm social distancing, so it's not like I gotta keep it trimmed. Okay, I bleep you not. I just, 30 minutes ago, was helping Ken Manscaped some hard to reach areas because he was prepping for a grown up Zoom party. Hey, those HD cameras pick up everything. And guess what we were using? Yep, it's the Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaped's premium electric trimmer. Its ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your friends down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof. It comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or, you know, in a dark shower, whatever, whatever you're into. They also just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. On Manscaped's website, you're also going to find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, and the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne designed specially for your balls. And we won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself. Go to Manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing and ball-changing products. Now, listeners of American Sex, you're going to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code SUNNY. With the holiday season right around the corner, we're all getting into the spirit by indulging in the sights, sounds, and the scents of the season. One thing I made sure to do was update my native collection with their candy cane holiday scent. It's beginning to smell a lot like the holidays underneath my pits. Okay, so I know it sounds weird, but Damn, I love catching a little whiff here and there of that holiday smell. It's nostalgia, and I will take it any way I can get it. And I've told you before how much I just love Native. Native deodorants don't just block odor better, they're made better. It has ingredients you've heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter, and it's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native never uses potentially harmful ingredients like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. And their Candy Cane gift set also makes for a great gift option. Plus, all Native products are great stocking stuffers for everyone on your list. 
Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping in the U.S., plus free 30-day returns and exchanges. See why so many people love Native and check out the over 14,000 five-star reviews. Give the gift of Native by going to nativedeo.com slash sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, or just use the promo code sunny at checkout. And you're also going to get 20% off your first order. But make sure you do order before December 7th to get your products in time for Christmas. That's N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O dot com slash sunny, or simply use the promo code sunny at checkout. Yeah, you bring up a great point because there's, you know, some things that, like you said, things morph and change, like the meanings change, the the viewpoints change, and that's just normal evolution. That's going to happen, you know? And then there's things that we find out that we're flat out fucking wrong. And, you know, I think of in the in the wider sex ed industry, there's one that I'm still like, are you fucking kidding me? Do not tell me that this is not true because- Every sex educator has said this. This is in uh, human sexuality books. It's what we all learn. And it's that the the clitoris has more nerve endings than the penis. Apparently, is not fucking true. What? Yes. And I was like, mind blown. Because like I said, it's in human sexuality books. It's like everybody said, you know, Dr. Ruth, like every fucking buddy. This is what we have learned. And apparently like there, and I'm, I I don't remember all the facts. I got to like research it some more because I'm still having a hard time accepting this. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, there, that was based on like one piece of like bunk ass research. And it got picked up by like women's magazines and Cosmo. And then one person heard another person say it, heard another person say it. And now it's in all the books and now it's in, and it's not based in fact. And there have been other like, you know, studies and things that prove this wrong, even though that's the fact we all know. That's why, you know, what's funny is now that you bring it up, I'm literally running data through my head that leans Mm -hmm. towards that being untrue but i didn't question it because it was so many people said but then i also think so uh, social media television films publications they all influence what we perceive to be real and perceive to be fact um i even Mm -hmm. found an old playboy article from maybe like the 80s that cited that uh, semen was a good, was a good, um, I'm trying to find the word for it. So this Playboy article cited that semen was a good material to use for your skin. Oh, yeah. And then come to this. find out it's just an article written by some man who wanted to find some way to justify ejaculating on women's faces. Yes. We actually did that on on our TV show because there are there were places like doing like spa treatments with like it wasn't human semen but it was something else and then magazines were saying like put you know get your boyfriend's semen and put it on your face and ch- and so we had a dermatologist like monitor somebody it fucking tore her skin up like it was horrible I actually think I re- I used to l- I love 
I love your show, by the way. Oh, Me and you. my sister would stay up every night and make an event over getting together and watching it. Even after it was over, we probably we watched that show as long as they had it on that <laughs> channel. As often as possible. Anytime there was an opportunity, it's like, what you know, like we well, we're like, oh, I can't decide what to watch. You want to watch Sunny Megatron? Yeah, that's what we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would walk past the room and be like, what are they doing on that couch? Mm, that, that, that's going to ruin that couch. And then she just keep on walking. <laughs> oh my God. That is fucking so precious. Hilarious. She was always very good about like understanding that I was just, I was very interested in sex and sexuality and she never gave me a hard time or shaved me about it. And every so often she'd sit down and watch an episode with us. It's a good Aww. time. It was a good time. Aww. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, but like, you know, speaking of, of you know, misinformation and just we're getting bombarded with all of this like input, you know, all these facts and da 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 da. Some are true, some are not true. And, you know, I think back to Fifty Shades of Grey when that. Oh, came. gosh. Here we go. <laughs> we can all agree. We can all agree fucking horrible book it perpetuated really bad stereotypes it said horrible thing you know perpetuated myths about people in kink that aren't true like we could go on and on about how horrible it was however on the same token people that have been hiding their kink and feeling embarrassed and that something is wrong with them that was their gateway that was what got them to be like, you know what, I am going to tell my partner that I want to get tied up or you know what, there's a class down at the pleasure chest on kink 101. And I'm gonna go or whatever. So in that respect, it was a good thing because it gave it vi visibility, even though it was the wrong kind of visibility. And I sort of look at like, the social media influencers, like the, the sexuality and kink influencers that maybe don't give all the best information, but because they're charismatic and they're relatable, they are people's gateways and people need gateways. So it's like, it's bittersweet. Like the, it serves its purpose in a way, but it's also kind of bad. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I actually have a really great perspective on this. I have worked in and out of adult stores since 2009. So I worked uh -huh. in adult stores. So I worked direct with the consumer. I have worked right. there before Fifty Shades of Grey, during Fifty Shades of Grey, and now that Fifty Shades of Grey has kind of dwindled down. And it's, mm -hmm. it is almost exactly how you're describing it. I am not a fan of Fifty Shades of Grey, um, I actually, if I had to choose, I feel like the book does a little bit of a better job because at least it gives an inner voice to Anastasia Steele's character and why she's doing what she's doing and some of the internal conversations she's having with herself that she doesn't mm -hmm. come off so much as someone who is blindly doing what a man is telling her to do. She has a little bit more of a questions about it, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, but even when it comes to the mainstream movie, I'm fine with the fact that someone saw something and it awoke something within them and that Fifty Shades of Grey was what got them to step outside of their box and to explore something about their sexuality that they had never done before. Um, I guess I could even in a vanilla way kind of attribute it to a lot of us like those ultimate cake bake off shows. Mm -hmm. They sound great. And you're like, you know what? That cake looks great. 
I'm going to go out. I'm going to make a cake. And then you realize how hard it is. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they make a meme out of you. Then they fails meme <laughs> out of your fucking cake. About your disastrous cake <laughs> that looks a mess. You put too much baking soda. It tastes like Play-Doh. It's horrible. But you hope that these people aren't just taking what they saw on a TV and trying to mimic it themselves, you hope what they then did was found a cookbook or found a cooking class or sign themselves up to be able to, you know, go to a friend's house who is a experienced baker and learn how to make a cake so they don't sign up to make their child's, you know, four-year-old birthday cake and it looks like some sort of, like, deflated, like, old grocery store balloon or something. Like, that's depressing. No one wants to eat Mm -hmm. that cake. Um, so I do get the customers who come in and they're like, I saw this movie. They, I think the most current ones I'm getting people coming in and, and asking is they're usually referencing um, bonding, which is the one about the dominatrix. So they come in and they're like, oh, she can yeah. do it. I can do it. Being a sex worker is no big deal. And then they very quickly realize it's a lot of work. Um, they come and reference Fifty Shades or they reference that Netflix movie, 365 Days. And they're like, I want to try all these things. So I'm like, okay, thank you so much for coming in and uh, wanting to explore this. I know you want to buy these metal handcuffs because you saw them in a movie if you want to still do that it's not my job to police your kink but let me give you the information about what this item is how it works and the pros and the cons and you Mm -hmm. you make your choice but a lot of times people can't come into uh in-store sex shop where they can come and speak to a real person with real experience they go to like the world of the internet they go to like an amazon put in a search throw something in a cart and it arrives within 48 hours and now they're at home making bad decisions um Yes. And that happened, like, the scene um, in Fifty Shades where he puts the spreader bar on her ankles, and then he grabs it and then flicks his wrist and turns her around from a laying on her back position to a laying on her stomach position. And I often get people come in and they want to reenact this scene. I'm like, that sounds great, but here's how you're going to modify this scene so that it's, so that it's not dangerous otherwise you're risking pulling something dislocating something nerve damage it's also don't know what happens (laughs) you're doing you're turning it into that hobbling scene from misery not the sexy scene so true you're breaking ankles so true (laughs) um i get people who come in and they're like oh i love the idea i want to be a dominatrix like i saw on that movie um i'm gonna buy myself a whip and some latex and i'm gonna go about my business and i'm like it's so much more than just a whip and latex um I think also like mainstream movies and films, there's definitely not enough representation that people think that being a dom require it means that you're a woman who's wearing leather or latex. They don't, um, they, I don't think I've ever seen a movie about a professional male who's a dom, but yeah, never. I don't think I've seen that ever. And, and most cl- most people who are, um, most people are also catering to, um, 
uh, unisex. They're unisex in terms of who their clients are. They're not just right. catering to strictly men or strictly women and things of that nature because there is no sex involved. That you don't have to be a man who's doing impact play on another male identified person. You can certainly do that and that doesn't it doesn't lead to any sort of like you know everyone wants it's crazy it's crazy (laughs) yeah yeah it's just like you know and one of the the metaphors whatever analogies i use is you know the fast and furious was a great movie Mm. or series of movies franchise but you don't learn how to drive by watching a fast and furious movie and when you learn to drive you're not going to be driving like the people in the fast and the furious it's fantasy it's entertainment just like porn you know those are sexual athletes you know a lot of people see porn and they expect to do exactly what is happening in all of those porns and while you may be able to emulate some of it there's a lot of it where it's like they're like sex olympians Mm. and shit and you know you're not going to be able to do that at home so leave that in the fantasy bucket leave that in the spank bank bucket and you know i guess we're coming full circle use some of those smoke and mirrors to make it feel like you are doing that thing from the movie but really, you've analyzed the strategy and thought about what you're doing and and figured out a safe way to role play that so you get that same feeling. 100%. I, mean, I, yeah. I, I have a couple. So I guess even back to the metal handcuffs, people come in and they say, oh, I want these metal handcuffs. I want to reenact a scene I saw somewhere. Or they have some sort of just like fantasy that's organic in their head. And I say, okay, just so you know, these are the rules about metal handcuffs. Is this still the item you want to get? Or would you rather get something leather or fabric or something that's a little softer on the wrist? And they usually have some sort of response like, those sound nice, but I don't want the person to be able to escape. And that's when I have to remind them about the smoke and mirrors, that if you're creating a space, that person doesn't want to actually escape. And if they do actually escape, they'll let you catch them. So in the right. event you were like, oh, no, I, I, you're, they, they are tied up in some way, shape, or form. They're handcuffed. They're sitting in a chair. There's an inter- interrogation. And I guess in some way, shape, or form, they've gotten loose. They're like, oh, no, Mr. Detective, I've gotten loose. What are you going to do? And they'll pause and they'll wait for you to catch up the role play. So then that way they can't actually go somewhere. I'm like, no one will get out if they don't want to get out. And if they want to get out, if they're supposed to be this like cat and mouse game about it, then you also want them to be able to escape for their own safety. It's just your luck. You, I, I have people who call all the time, whether they're, um, we actually had a customer call just, just last week who called and said they handcuffed their girlfriend to the, um, to the bed. They dropped the key don't know where it is. They didn't think handcuffs normally come with two keys. They did not think to separate them and they couldn't get her loose. So then they ended up having to enlist a friend to come to the store, pick up a new set of cuffs so that they could have an identical key and now go release them 
from the headboard that they were attached to. At least he had the wherewithal to not leave her alone. He enlisted a friend to be able to go and retrieve a key from somewhere. But all of this could have been prevented. So now it's a lesson learned. And luckily everyone ended up safe and no one ended up with any permanent damage. But it's, I guess it hurts your ego if it hurts anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you know, I think about, you know, a lot of the ways that I like to play and exactly to your point, it's like, it's, it's the, the, the mental role play of like, I'm going to make you and you can't escape. And, you know, I'll put on extra security measures like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm not, really 100% gonna do that or if I did implement something to prevent them from there's always an out it is very much in a smoke and mirrors type of way like I do chastity and I just got a, a bluetooth um like uh safe to keep the key in where only I can control it and it's like you know, some people are like, why? Why are you going to all those lengths when really I still have a spare key where that person, you know, can, if something happens, they can get to the spare key. So why are you doing this? If they really wanted to get out, they can, and it's, they, but they don't want to get out. It's knowing like, ooh, I've really tightened the grip on them. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> but really, it's just play. Like, we're just, we're acting. We are sex acting. We are sex acting that, yes, of course, this person in some sort of like engineering, you know, sort of way could certainly get themselves out of this device. But it's either one of two things. Either they they want to give over the control and they don't want to get out of this device for all of the reasons that you've aligned up on why this serves them. Or they want to get out of the device for like a bratty sort of thing. Like, ooh, Mistress Sunny, look what I've done. I've gotten out. What are you going to do? And then usually some sort of like punishment comes into play. I think that's, exactly. that's another term that I think also gets kind of mixed up with punishment and punishment that a punishment is usually seen as, Oh, you um, bratty little girl, you didn't do the dishes. Now let's punish you and give you a spanking. But a punishment is not something you want. A punishment is usually the last thing that you want. The punishment usually involves some sort of like, you've done something that's against um, a negotiation or a limit. Yes. And now you've disappointed me um, versus a punishment would be like, Oh, you bratty little so-and-so let's spank you and uh put you back in your place and that sort of like very cute playful sort of a thing yes oh yes 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 say that again yeah i hear you know a lot of punish i'm gonna punish you i'm gonna make you and it's like for me as a top true punishments are very serious and they hurt me you know the fact that i would have to go there and it's usually like a major relationship agreement is breached. You know, something like if if it were a vanilla relationship, like maybe you cheated on me, you went behind my back and did something fundamentally painful. And that's not fun. That's not the kind of punishment that we want. Yeah. So, oh, this has been an amazing conversation. So in closing, for those listening who probably are largely getting most of their their education on the internet, especially now in the day and age of COVID, where we can't go to dungeons and parties and learn stuff. What advice 
would you give to people who have just learned all this and learned, oh, shit, there's a lot more. What should they do in their research to make sure they're getting a more well-rounded view of that strategic psychological side? I would say for the people who are just learning and they need to get a more well-rounded view, I would definitely remind them if you hear something and it lights it lights you up and something sounds great. You're like, oh, I was watching something and someone mentioned something about, oh, let me pick one. I was watching something and someone mentioned something about spanking. That sounds so fun. I want to try it. Don't just take the one source you got. Do yourself the due diligence and check other sources. You would do this in any other avenue in your life. If you were deciding to purchase a home, you would not blindly just take the first house you walked into. You would look around, you would shop the market, you'd compare the prices, you would do a laundry list of things. When you're choosing your college, your university, you don't just choose the first one that an ad pops up for on a Facebook. Like you check into, does this, does this fall in alignment with my values? Is this somewhere, is this somewhere where I want to be? Is this somewhere I want to thrive? Do the same thing with your kink BDSM education. Cite at least a minimum of three non-online courses um, or, or publications. And in the event you want to attend a class, sometimes, and not all the times, you can literally just send a message to whoever is teaching the class and just say, hey, I really want to attend your class. It's not in my budget to afford it. Do you offer classes on a sliding scale? Do you offer any sort of other sort of resources I can use in order to be able to gain access to some of this information? And sex educators were usually very good about helping you find your way into that information. Because what we care about is getting the right information out there, not necessarily, um, I guess people would call it gatekeeping um, all of the information about the kink sex education world. If I could wave my wand and have like the perfect job, I would love to reform at the lower level of the middle school, high school sex education yes. system. That is my dream goal to talk to children and talk to the young humans about how sex is about pleasure. It's not just about avoiding STDs. It's not just about avoiding present pregnancy. It's not just about potentially burning in hell because you decided to give into some sort of temptation that there's a whole lot that goes along with it. And It'd be great to teach them the facts, not even erring on the side of religion and everything else, just being like, this is your body. Your body is normal, quote unquote. This is how it works. And this is how your body reacts with someone else's body. Facts, mm -hmm. just facts. Insert personal values where necessary. If your parents want you to wait till marriage, that's fine. But at least you aren't waiting to marriage till marriage, finally having a sexual interaction with your now husband and or wife. And now you still don't yes. know anything because you were never taught yes. the right oh, thing. Yes. In a 
that's my perfect world. And yeah, and, and, you know, to expand on that, a lot of what I wish the middle schoolers and the high schoolers are learning is, yes, the facts and the mechanics, but again, that strategy. And that strategy is how to have good communication and and mutual respectful relationships with other people and that translates into everything into kink into dating into how well you get along with your mom like everywhere and Mm -hmm. people don't know how to do that and that piece is so necessary when it comes to kink and largely as a society none of us have learned those basic you know, mutual, human, respectful communication skills, how to negotiate consent. We're fucking clueless. And we shouldn't be at 25, 35, 45 years old. So, Mm -hmm. yes, fucking get those middle schoolers, whip them into shit, (laughs) teach them the stuff. Yeah. I sign up for it. I tell all of my friends, I'm like, when you're ready to have like the sex talk with your kids, if you don't know how to have it, send them to me. I would be more than happy to have this conversation with them and help them to better understand. And a lot of it is helping to break down the stereotypes and the myths that they see on porn or the stuff their friends tell them or the misinformation that they read on the internet. It's very similar to your to your Fast and the Furious reference Mm -hmm. that I have to explain to them that what they know and what they see is acting. There's lights and there's 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 teams there's sound engineers even the bodies that you see portrayed on your screen are not the bodies these people have in real life so then we have to have conversations about do your parts look normal and everything else but we could do a whole nother podcast about that like that oh my god we could we could (laughs) we could do this all yes i fucking love your brain thank you so much for talking to me and i want to make sure before we go um i of course i'm going to have all of your your social media handles and you know how to contact you in the show notes but if you can tell us really quick what are a couple good places where people can find you out there on the internet so the the top five places you could find me on the internet is on Instagram. I'm Sex Positive Sophia. Um, on TikTok, where I'm SP Sophia. I'm also Twitter on SP Sophia and Facebook. I'm Sex Positive Sophia. And you can always email me sexpositivesophia at gmail.com. S A F I Y A. You fucking rock. I really love you. Like you're you're just you're an awesome teacher, an awesome educator. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Yes. Yes. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag Psychicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. 
Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.